0: I wish I could sing like Steve. (laughs) Well, we're we're a good team. I want to remind you as you're turning to Mark 634 that um, Wednesday night I'm going to begin a new series I'm calling Exposing Cultural Lies. And I'm going to take about three or four weeks to go through Romans 1. And I'm going to be talking about hot-button issues. Wednesday nights shall be rated PG-13. I'm not saying it's gonna be dirty I'm saying I'm gonna get I'm gonna teach the word and I'm just gonna say what the word says we're gonna talk about uh, the lies the culture is propagating on the people of America we are being bombarded daily with cultural lies I'm gonna be dealing with false salvation and how we're told that Christ is not the only answer I'm gonna show you beyond all doubt that he is the only way to salvation it is exclusive and it is one way. I'm going to be talking about homosexuality because the Bible does in Romans 1. We're be, and the only reason I'm bringing these things up is because it's done been brought up. I mean, I'm going to answer the cultural lies. And so Romans 1, it's a hot chapter. Read it from now till Wednesday night and be here and you'll be blessed I promise now mark 634 Jesus when he came out saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them why because they were like sheep not having a shepherd so he began to teach them many things now I want you to notice one thing before we're seated he saw and was moved. He saw and was moved. I want to talk to you today about through his eyes. Father, we thank you for your word today, and we pray that it changes us, that it rearranges us, that it blesses us and speaks to us. And I thank you for it, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, can you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to me? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you look better than last time I saw you. (laughs) Just want to see if you're awake. (laughs) Now, I want to talk today about the eyes of Jesus. I want to say something right up front. You will treat people based on how you see them. Now, that's a profound thought, and I want you to think about it. You will treat people based on how you see them. So therefore, it is very important that we see people through the eyes of Jesus because how you view them is how you will treat them. That's true in your marriage. That's true with your kids. That's true with your co-workers. It's true with your church family. Now, in talking about the eyes of Jesus, I don't mean the color and I don't mean the way they were shaped. I think Jesus looked like a normal Jewish man. I don't think you could have picked him out of a crowd. He was not what we would call today a handsome or a gorgeous man. Jesus, it says in Isaiah, had no personal beauty that we would desire him. He was not a looker. He was a common-looking Jewish man. But I do believe that Jesus had extraordinary eyes. I believe it was the way he looked at you. The eyes of Jesus were the eyes of God. And when Jesus looked at you, it was x-ray. He looked right through your soul. He knew your life story before you ever told him. Jesus saw you for who you really were, and he loved you anyway. I think the eyes of Jesus were arresting. I don't think you ever forgot it when you had seen the eyes of Jesus. I think when Jesus talked to you as an individual it was like you were the only person in the world. Now Jesus talked about our eyes and you know that in the Sermon on the Mount he talked about our eyes and I want to quote what he said. Jesus said it in the Bible, the eyes are like a lamp for the body. The eyes are a lamp. If your eyes are good single pure godly jesus said, your whole body is going to be filled with spiritual light but if your eyes are bad divided your whole body will be full of darkness then jesus said if then the light within you is darkness how terribly dark it will be he's talking about the worst blindness in the world when kathy and i were coming home from uh, Florida, flying the jet, right in front of us was a blind man. I noticed when we passed him, he had no irises. Totally blind, and he had a seeing eye dog at his feet. And my heart immediately went out to him, and I thought, man, that would be tough to not be able to see a thing. But did you know that Jesus Christ said that the worst blindness in the world was spiritual? Listen to what he said. How terribly dark It will be when your soul is flooded with dark. And it happens through the gateway of the eyes. Now most of the time when we read this verse, we think that it's talking only about lust, the lust of the flesh, sexual lust. But that is not all that it's talking about. Jesus is talking about way more than that. Jesus said that our eyes determine... How much spiritual light enters our soul? It happens through the gateway of the eyes. They determine it. We can be full of light or full of darkness. That's why when you open up this Bible and look at it with your eyes, you let light in. I'm still waiting for somebody to build me the Bible that when I open it, it's got a light hooked up in it, and when I open it, a light shines into my face. Whoa because that's exactly what the Bible is. David said, the entrance of your words bring light. It brings understanding to the simple. Jesus said, your word is light. Jesus was called the light. And so through the gateway of the eyes, light or darkness enters our soul. Isn't that powerful? Our eyes determine how much spiritual light enters our soul. We can be full of light or we can be full of darkness. And Jesus said that's the worst darkness of all. Groping in spiritual darkness is far more dangerous than physical because there's no seeing eye dog for spiritual darkness. Nobody can come and lead you when you're in spiritual darkness. You need the light to come on. And the light comes on through Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. He is the life. And the life was the light of men, John said. The eye is the window to the soul. This is where we get that saying. And in most people, the blinds are closed. And the soul is dark. And Jesus wasn't just talking about, and I want you to catch this, He wasn't just talking about what you look at. But He was talking about how you look at what you look at. Now I'm going to say that again because we tend to think, well, I just shouldn't look at certain things. And that's true. There's some things you shouldn't look at. But there are other things you can look at two different ways. You can see them through the eyes of God or you can see them through the eyes of the flesh. And so I want you to remember when you leave today that it's not necessarily what you look at, but it's how you look at what you look at. It's how you do it. It is is with what attitude, what thoughts, what feelings. It is the lens through which you view things. For instance, you can look at a person of another race. Through the eyes of prejudice, and the Bible says, as soon as you do that, your soul is flooded with dark. Did you know that? See, it's not that you're looking at a person; you can look at somebody of another race—black, white, yellow, red, green, purple—it doesn't matter. But you can look at them through the eyes of prejudice, and what has happened is your your soul has been flooded with dark because you're not looking at them through sunglasses. See, what I want to do today is I want to put sunglasses on us. S O N sunglasses. The church is supposed to see others through the lens of the eyes of Jesus. And we've got to get this in our minds because folks, everything is different. Everything changes. The way you see people so changes. When you say to yourself, not what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus see? We, we, we so very often and I'm and I'm afraid it's in the church as much as it is anywhere I don't think it's in here near as much because we have such a loving congregation and I'm just saying that in humility we really do but so often church people I've walked into some churches you could have ice skated to your chair God's frozen chosen and nobody said hello if your hair was too long or you happen to be in blue jeans let me tell you something about us I want the drug addicts coming in the prostitutes coming in the up and outers the down and outers I'm not here to distinguish because I'm not going to let that fleshly lens determine the way I view people we view people who dress differently talk differently wear their hair differently in a judgmental fashion, and when we do that, our soul is darkened. We are closing the blinds over the window to the soul. It's not what you look at, it's how. It's how. Please get that. It's how. Have you realized that in your marriage? Have you realized that with your kids? Have you realized that with your friends? The minute you begin to see somebody in a devalued way, you treat them differently than you do if you highly value them. It's how you view people. I was thinking this week about the famous little slogan, WWJD. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And that has been so twisted now. I read something in the news last week. Somebody was arguing about what kind of gas would Jesus buy. And if Jesus was flying in a jet, would he go first class or coach? As if that matters. But I started thinking, let's just drop the D. Let's just drop the D today and replace it with an S. What would Jesus see? What would Jesus see? Did you know what the Bible tells us? Put on Jesus. Believers are to put on Jesus. And the verb usage there is the same thing as if I had this coat taken off and I just put it on. It's an act of the will. You pick up this jacket, you put it on, you button it. It is an act of the will. You decide you're going to put it on. It is the same Feeling the same thing in the Greek language when Jesus said, or when Paul said, put on Jesus, it's just like you pick up a coat and put it on. It's an act of the will. You put on the love of Jesus. You put on the grace of Jesus. You put on the forgiveness of Jesus. You put on Jesus and you put off that old man that is being corrupted after the old lust and you put on Jesus. It's an act of the will. Now, what would Jesus see? If I put on his eyes. Now, i got to tell you what triggered this, and I'm going to humble myself to you. <laughs> uh, last week, I was going to go to our po- post and parcel where I do all my mailing. And I drove up to the post and parcel. And I had noticed a few weeks ago that somebody had decided to put a tattoo parlor right next to it. Right next to my post and parcel. And I got out of my car and I had some things to mail and I was kind of in a hurry. And I, and I went walking up the little walkway towards this store and, or, or towards the post and parcel. And here's a bunch of kids covered in tattoos, green hair, yellow hair, orange hair, no hair. Sitting there smoking, talking foul language, real loud where anybody could hear them. They didn't care. And I immediately viewed them not through the eyes of Jesus. Y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Not through the eyes of Jesus. I wish I could get up here and say, oh, I saw them and I was moved with compassion. But I said to myself, you know, at first I gave them the look. (laughs) You know the look, the the look, the look, where disapproving and, and judgmental. And inside I was thinking, it's 2 in the afternoon, what are you doing hanging out here? Why don't you go get a job? Why don't you wash your hair? Why don't you do something with your life? Good grief! And I looked at them just the way people used to look at me. <laughs> I walked into the post and parcels. I got in line, and Jesus seemed to ease up to me, and he said, why were you looking at them that way? And I said, because they deserved it. <laughs> and I sat there, have you ever had God bug you. I mean, I love the peace of the Holy Ghost. I love the joy of the Lord. I love entering into his gates with praise and worship. But sometimes God bugs you. He comes up and talks to you when you really don't want to hear it. And he eased up to me and he said, he said, why didn't you see them through my eyes? And I know the answer. Because you've got to train your eyes to see through the eyes of Jesus. You've got to train them it's not going to happen naturally. We live in a judgmental, critical world, and it's so easy to forget from whence we have come. And you've got to train yourself to put on the eyes of Jesus. You've got to to put on Jesus just like you've got to put on patience, put on love, put on mercy, put on forgiveness. You've got to put on the eyes of Jesus. And so he dealt with me, and I realized that if I had had sunglasses on, I would have viewed them the way he would have. And so I got to asking myself the question, how did Jesus view people? How did Jesus see people? And the Bible is full of examples of how he saw individuals. He saw crowds. He saw the up and outers, Zacchaeus, the down and outers, the lepers. He saw people of different races, men, women, children, babies. And every time the Bible tells us how Jesus saw them. So I want to share with you three outstanding aspects of sunglasses, how Jesus saw people. The first way Jesus always saw people was through eyes of love. Now I don't want to sound syrupy, I don't want to sound formulaic, I don't want to sound ultra mega spiritual where it's just kind of kind of not real. I'm telling you, he saw people through the eyes of love. He was moved with compassion towards them. I counted 10 times in the gospels alone, 10 times when the same phrase is used. He saw and he was moved with compassion. He saw and he was moved with compassion. Can you say it with me, put on the eyes of Jesus? So, when we see people, how often are we moved with compassion? He had compassion on the crowds that were following him. Listen to this it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. That is not the same as having pity, it is not the same as feeling sorry for. Being moved with compassion means he was moved with love for them to the point of doing something about it. He didn't just have compassion. The compassion moved him. It moved him. It says because they were weary and scattered like sheep with no shepherd. And so he healed them, fed them, and taught them because he was moved with compassion. Do you know that every time every time it says Jesus was moved with compassion, a miracle resulted. Many of the miracles Jesus performed were on the the heels of being moved with compassion. His compassion was stirred toward the two blind men, and He healed them. Jesus' compassion flowed towards the unwanted untouchables of His day the lepers. Nobody would have a thing to do with them. They had to wear a bell. And if they came into a group like this, even near us, they had to ring the bell so that we would reject them. They were outcasts, lonely, dying of loneliness, no fellowship, but with other lepers who also were terminal. But it says Jesus saw the leper and he was moved with compassion And he went right past all of the safeguards, walked right up to the leper and said, I will, I will, I want you to be healed. And he reached out and touched the afflicted skin and he was healed. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched forth his hand and touched the leper and said to him, I'm willing, be cleansed. He had compassion on the demon-possessed, on the dispossessed, on the outcast and on the hopeless. He didn't care if you were popular. He didn't care if you were on people's top 10 list to be invited to parties. He loved those who weren't loved by anybody else. He was moved with compassion. So that if I'm going to be like him and see like him, here's sunglasses I've got to put them on. How do you do it? You ask yourself the question, what would Jesus see right here? What would Jesus see? There's something about just asking yourself that question that does something. It does something. It breaks something loose in you. What would Jesus see? When you look at people, what would he see? The way he viewed people, I've noticed, I found in the scriptures, often got him into trouble with other people who got mad at him because he wouldn't view people the way they did. So he caught flack for that. For instance, Jesus took the time and trouble to reach the woman at the well who was in the eyes of the Jews, an untouchable Gentile. And she was just strolling to the well one day. And Jesus happened to be there sitting on the well all by himself. And Jesus spoke to her. And she knew that he was a Jew. And she was immediately shocked that a Jew spoke to her because Jews didn't speak to Gentiles. So Jesus was leaping over racial barriers and reaching out to somebody a Jew wouldn't touch and she was so shocked she said how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me when his disciples found him talking to her the Bible records that they marveled that he talked with the woman if he had listened to them he wouldn't have touched the woman but this woman at the well became the first New Testament evangelist Jesus read her mail she said sir give me the living water you're talking about He said, you got it. Go get your husband. And she said, well, (laughs) (laughs) funny you should say that. uh." And she stuttered and didn't even respond. He said, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Because you've had five husbands, and the one you're shacking up with right now is not your husband. And she said, I think you're a prophet. (laughs) See, the, the way to lead her to the living water was to bring her to repentance and to get her to repent of her sin was to remove any barriers for her to receive the life that God had. And so he, he, he revealed, read her mail. Have you ever heard the Holy Ghost say, you've got mail? (laughs) And it's all about something that you need to clean up in your life? He said, I wish I hadn't opened up that email. Wish I hadn't opened up that letter from God. See, here's what struck me. Jesus did not see the town hussy who'd been married five times and was shacking up with number six and had a sordid reputation. He didn't see her like the town saw her. He didn't see see her like the men saw her. He saw her through harvest eyes. He saw her through harvest eyes. A lost soul that needed to be saved. And that brings me to the second way Jesus always views people. Please catch this, church, because you saw the fish. We're headed to harvest. The second way that Jesus viewed people, he viewed them through harvest eyes. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor Jeff? He saw people as lost and needing to be found. That's how Jesus saw people. To Jesus, you were either lost or you were found. Did you know that? He didn't look at you and decide what he thought about you based on how much money you made, where you live, what kind of car you drove, the way we try to to impress people, the things with which we try to impress people about us. Jesus looked right at you and he saw lost or found, saved or damned. That's the way Jesus saw people. Now please catch this because we need to put on Jesus' eyes sunglasses. Jesus said at one time to his disciples, catch this, beware that you don't look down upon a single one of these little children. I, the Messiah, came to save the lost. Do you see with me the connection between looking down on somebody and not being able to remember that they are lost? If you're looking down on somebody, you're not thinking what He wants us to think about them. If you're looking down on them for the way they live, down on them for the sins in their life, you're not going to see them like He did. He said, don't you look down on people. It will obscure, it will blind you from being able to remember that they are lost and need to be saved. Is anybody hearing me today? There is a connection. What would Jesus see? His emphasis on don't look down on them because if you look down on them, you're not going to see them the way I want you to. While speaking about Zacchaeus, the despised tax collector, Jesus responded to his critics who had said these words, He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Can you believe the big miracle worker, the big guy about town, the new star? He went into the house of a sinner and he's sitting there with a sinner. And how are they viewing Zacchaeus? Through eyes of hate, eyes of despising, eyes of rejection. And Jesus responded to his critics and he said, I have come to search for and to save what was lost. I have come to search out and to save what was lost. I find that interesting. What was lost? When were we lost? We were lost back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve fell. And Adam, the head of the human race, put sin upon every man and every woman and every child. We are guilty by association. We are guilty by birth. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. Sin passed on to all men. Death came down from Adam upon all people. We've all got a disease and it's called sin. And Jesus said, Jesus said, I've come to search for and to find and to save what was lost back in the Garden of Eden. You're either lost or you're saved. According to Christ, his critics looked at Zacchaeus through eyes of hate, Jesus through harvest eyes. His critics saw a crooked tax collector. Jesus saw a lost soul. And because Jesus received him and spent time with him, cared enough to go into his home, he got saved. And Jesus was able to say, today salvation has come to this house. Hallelujah. Would salvation have come to that house if he'd been left in the hands of Jesus' critics? Never. Don't be a Pharisee, church. Don't be Pharisaical. See people through the eyes of Jesus. Look at your neighbor and tell them, through the eyes of Jesus, Now turn to the other side of you and say, it's like I said, you look better than you did last time. (laughs) Now, just so we can be clear today, let me just take a moment and talk to you about the word lost. When Jesus says, I came to seek and to save what was lost, what does he mean by lost? Webster's defines lost as unable to find the way to a place. I was leaving in the store the other day. A lot of things happen to me when I go out and go to stores and stuff. And I, I went in to get some lunch meat and stuff for Kathy, and I was coming out, and I was going to my car, and I see this dog. And this was a long-haired dog, looked like a, a, um, a sort of a cross between a poodle and a larger dog, cute little dog. But it was so obvious he was lost. You know how I knew that he was lost? Because he was wet, and he was dirty, and he looked desperate. And he was wandering through the parking lot, not knowing what he was looking for, not knowing it, knowing that he, somewhere out there is somebody who loved me and somehow I've gotten lost and I'm trying to find them, but I don't know how. I know somebody out there loves me. I I have a memory, but I can't find them. I said, come here, come here. He was afraid of me. And I thought, that's lost. That's why people are dirty. That's why they look desperate. That's why they do stupid things. That's why they stick needles in their arms and snort coke up their nose. That's why they rot out their nasal passages. That's why they ruin their liver with alcohol. That's why they go to this, that, and the other looking for the one who loved them. They're lost. They're dirty. They know somebody out there loves them. They just can't seem to find him. That's lost. But do you know the word Jesus used for lost was even stronger than that? It was more than just not being able to find your way home. It was to be utterly destroyed. It was to perish. That's the word lost. The Greek word we translated lost from means to be utterly destroyed or to perish. The disciples in the storm at the sea, when they were in the boat and the great Eurachlodon, the storm uh, that blew upon them and the boat was filling up with water, and they said, Jesus, don't you care that we are perishing. Same word. Lost perishing translated from the same word. So get this. What Jesus meant by lost is the difference between being turned around in need of directions or being trapped in a burning house. I've been lost and had to stop and ask for directions. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is somebody who is being destroyed, who is being ruined, who's in a burning house. So salvation is not some some easy come, easy go option that we have. Listen, salvation is a rescue mission. That's why we say, I got saved. Saved from what? A burning house. There was no door. The place was filled with smoke. I couldn't find my way out. And suddenly I heard somebody say, Jesus Christ died for your sins. And I saw a door. And it said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I ran through. And when I ran through and got out of that thing, I said, saved. That's what Jesus was talking about. So when Jesus looked at people, he saw lost. And that's why he said, you'll leave 99 sheep to go find the one because they're in a burning house. Jesus saw people through harvest eyes. Why don't you listen to this verse? John 4, 35 and 36 in the living Bible says, Jesus speaking, look around you. Pull your eyes out of your own problems. Pull your eyes out of your own dilemmas And look around you. Vast fields of human souls are ripening all around you and are ready now for reaping. Right now. I read last night that there are almost 310 million people in America. And the stats that I read on a recent Barna survey said 90 million of them claim to be born again. You say, well, that's a lot of people. Ah, but that leaves 220 million in burning houses. It said every 13 seconds, a new soul, a new human being is added to American soil. Every 13 seconds. Every 11 seconds, somebody dies. A lot of people have died since I started talking about the same amount of time somebody new is born. 220 million people in a burning house. When you put on the eyes of Jesus, what do you see? Jesus saw harvest. Ha <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, this gets me going because I'm not going out there to I-35 in a bigger building so that I can have a holy club, so that I can be a religious group. I'm going out there with, I'm, I'm telling you, the eye of the tiger. I'm going out there, I'm going out there for souls. I believe we're going to see thousands of people saved. Thousands. And if you have on sunglasses, that'll bless you. Amen. Jesus saw people through. Listen to what he says. It's going to be your reward, our reward. He says the reapers will be be paid good wages and will be gathering eternal souls into the granaries of heaven. When you win a soul, you have just brought an eternal soul into the granary of heaven. Wow. But if we're going to see that great harvest, we're going to have to have on sunglasses. Now, finally, Jesus saw... Who you could be, not who you are. Not that there's anything wrong with who you are, but you're not who you can be once he gets a hold of you. Jesus saw who you could be, not who you'd been. Now I want you to catch this one. When Jesus looked at you, he saw you through redemptive eyes. He saw your destiny, your calling, your potential what God designed you and wired you to do. He saw that. When Jesus looked at people, when he looked at Simon Peter, he said, today you are Simon, John's son. That's it. You're an ordinary guy, but you will be called Peter the rock because I see Peter, not what you are, but I see what you're going to be. Can I tell you when Jesus looks at you, he sees a future preacher, a future teacher, a great prayer, a missionary, a witness. I had a lady today who, who works in our, who is in our church, who is a masseuse in a major hotel. And all the time, she said, if the person who I'm giving a massage to ask me anything about God, I tell them, well, I like to pray for the people who come in here. And I want to pray for you. And she said, just, she said Paula Abdul came in I said, American Idol Paula Abdul Lay <laughs> down on the table, and she began to talk to her about God and said, I'd like to pray for your neck. I understand that it's, 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 it, 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 you've been hurt in your back and in your neck. And She said, I got plates back there. Pray for me. And right there, one of our church members prayed for Paula Abdul. Now, you think she doesn't go out and tell others about that? And then, watch, the, watch how the word spreads. She said, then, she said, I went out there to where all of our, us masseuses meet and sort of where we uh, have lunch and stuff and talk when there's no customers. And she said, she said, we were sitting there talking and I noticed your tapes and I'm not allowed to bring you in there. She said, I had had a tape of you and I had put it on top of the refrigerator and she said, these tree-hugging, lost, Buddhist-type women found your tape and they heard you say, I'm going to do a series on angels. They surrounded me and said, hey, when's Pastor Jeff's series on angels coming out? She said, how'd you know about that? They said, we listen to that tape. So she took them all the tapes on angels. One of them took a trip, and she was listening to the teaching on angels all the way there and all the way back. She said, what did you think about that message on angels? And this woman, who is lost as a goose in a hailstorm, said, wow, wow, I can't give it away to enough people. What a powerful word. Church, it's harvest time. People are hungry. Amen. Amen. Can you stand with me today? Why don't you say with me, Jesus looked at you you through eyes eyes of love, through harvest harvest eyes, eyes. through redemptive eyes. eyes how do you view people? How do you see people? Try saying, what would Jesus see? Amen? Amen. Father, I pray that you'll put on every one of us. Help us to all reach into the promise box and put on sunglasses. We're asking you, Lord, to speak. We're asking you, Lord, to help us to see people. Through redemptive eyes and harvest eyes and eyes of compassion. In the name of Jesus. Now, can you just breathe a prayer and say, Lord, I receive this today. I'm going to meet people this week. You're going to have divine encounters this week. God's going to bring somebody across your path. And if you see it through Jesus' eyes, you won't miss the divine setup.